Hey, Bulls Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and as of today, Tuesday, February 16th, I can definitively say that the Chicago Bulls are an entertaining basketball team. I don't think anybody can question that anymore. The Chicago Bulls are now must-see TV. Every game is winnable. Every game is entertaining. It's not like in the past couple years where there were games you went in dreading and knowing you were going to get blown out and probably blown out by a wide margin. From that standpoint, this season has been really enjoyable. And Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan has been a fantastic head coach for this young core. You've seen some of these guys buy in. Guys like Zach Levine, guys like Wendell Carter, guys like, you know, veterans like Thad Young, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter, Tomas Sadoransky. And that's a great thing to see. The Bulls finally have a head coach that can raise the level of play of the guys on the roster. And that's a great thing to see. But we're also seeing those individual talents, and and Zach Levine is a big part of that. I want to talk more about him in today's episode. Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young might be the second most important player on this team right now. And that's saying something. Thaddeus Young, of course, a little longer in the tooth, could potentially be traded. I definitely want to get into that discussion as well. But he has probably been the second most important piece on this roster, and He's bought in to what Billy Donovan is selling. He has become an anchor off the bench. He has become a major contributor even with the starters. But we still have to point out the Chicago Bulls are 11-15. and 15. So by definition, they're not a winning team yet. They're still a game out of the 7th seed, half game out of the 8th seed. They're within that realm of being in that play-in tournament or playing games to get into the playoffs potentially but I find myself wavering back and forth it's like I'm driving down this two-lane highway and I get to this crossroad and one road could take the Chicago Bulls to the playoffs as currently constructed with Thaddeus Young in the picture potentially with Laurie Markkinen still in the picture and I can get to the playoffs I can get in but then there's this other road And on this other road, I can miss the playoffs. And maybe that road includes trading Thaddeus Young for first-round draft capital or for a promising young piece. Trading Larry Markkinen for roughly the same thing. Future draft capital, maybe somebody like Lonzo Ball so I can evaluate somebody who might potentially be a better fit. And if I miss the playoffs, well, I can still have a promising season, get some draft capital, And, who knows, a high lottery pick in what should be a deep draft? It's tempting. And part of me right now is leaning to that road of missing the playoffs. Now, I think there's always certain factors that can kind of change our opinion. All these opinions should have some nuance to them. As everything's currently constructed right now, there's no doubt about it that Zach Levine is the Chicago Bulls' best player. And as I mentioned, Thaddeus Young is arguably the second best player on this team. Don't get me wrong. Other guys have more talent and upside. Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter. But in terms of consistency and impact on both ends of the floor, that's where I would argue Thad Young has been the second best player on the Bulls this season. Now, if you want to see actual improvement, 
and you want to see this team take another step up in class. You want to see this team go from point A to point B, B being a, a perennial playoff contender, one that's led by a younger core. Thaddeus Young can't be your second most important piece. If the Bulls get to the playoffs and it's on the back of Zach Levine, but it's also on the back of Kobe White finding a consistent rhythm and Wendell Carter staying healthy and contributing, if Laurie Markkinen stays, him being a consistent factor night in and night out, Patrick Williams continuing to make strides, if that's the core taking you to the playoffs, then of course, that's that's a great thing to see. It's good to see that young core grow. It's good to see them take another step up in class. That would be a promising sign. But as currently constructed, and with this current scenario with Zach and veterans like Thaddeus, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter, being the catalyst to a playoff push and getting them into the playoffs... I don't know if I feel as optimistic for the future with those supporting pieces helping Zach rather than the young guys I mentioned. If Zach and the rest of the young core are the ones doing the pushing into the playoffs, it's a much different feeling. Now, I certainly would still be okay. I still like the direction this team is going in. I do like the young pieces, but I would rather be like, Last year's Phoenix Suns. I'd like to see some growth. And if I make the playoffs, cool. If I miss the playoffs, still cool. I can get into the lottery, potentially get a better player. Who knows? Maybe I can package my lottery picks. Maybe I can package whatever assets I get for a Thaddeus Young or possibly a Larry Markkinen and improve my team by acquiring an established veteran. So I want to get into more of this discussion today because I am still conflicted. I want to get somebody else's thoughts on this. So I'm having on today's podcast, Gary Calzone. He's been on the Rebuildable podcast before. He used to host his own podcast. He's taking a break from that, but he still has a lot of thoughts on the Bulls. So I want to know what he thinks about this team. Is it better that they make the playoffs or miss the playoffs? And I also want to get his thoughts on Zach Levine and how he's evaluating him lately and other guys like Laurie, Kobe, I definitely want to pick his brain. So let's bring him in now. Gary, long time no talk. How have you been? Good, man. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I've kind of taken a hiatus off of all of uh, all of the interwebs for the most part. Um, just I, I just need more time for myself and whatnot. You know, we weren't really doing the podcast anymore. Um, Ryan had kind of um, he, he moved, so we, we actually live in different states now. And while we could keep doing it, like you know, he he's been working on like a lot of his you know personal brand with his comedy stuff. Um, so wasn't you know wasn't as knowledgeable and you know able to pay attention as much um, to the bull and just working out schedules and whatever. And then you know it was just kind of me left on Twitter. It's like, am I going to keep doing the show? Am I not? Um, and then I wasn't, so I just didn't feel the need to be on Twitter anymore. <laughs> clogging up my day with another app on my phone that I'm repeatedly looking at in five different group chats and yeah. And, and then all the other bullshit that comes with Twitter, you know, I, I I'm sick of hearing about politics and COVID and all that shit. So I'm just, I, I kind of left, but you know, it was, it was good that we, we connected and I, I've been itching to talk bulls again um, for a little bit. Cause it's, I mean, we're 11 and five, but it's still been a fun season so far. Yeah, and that's that's how I kicked things off uh, beginning of this podcast. I said that you can't deny that this season is 
entertainment. Like the Bulls are must-see TV for the first time in years. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, especially you got a guy like like Zach who's uh, who's killing it right now. I mean, filling up the stat sheet um, in a meaningful way too. So I think he's kind of squashing some of the some of the. I mean, that's another reason why I got off of Twitter too. It's like I'm so sick of hearing of you know. I, I want to formulate my own opinions that don't involve um, the advanced stats mob or the overly optimistic mob or the overly pessimistic mob. Like, you know, I, I want to form, formulate my own opinion on these things. Um, so it's cool to have an outlet and, and, and talk to you about this. Well, yeah, there's like a Zach Levine dark Twitter. Yes. It's Everybody's got an opinion on Zach Levine. I, I do want to get into just how he's been this season, his all-star campaign being a really legitimate one this year. But... I want to start with a scenario I was painting to the listeners before you hopped on here, and it's this this scenario right now with the Chicago Bulls. As you mentioned, they're 11 and 15, but things seem to be pointing in the right direction. As currently constructed, Zach Levine is their best player, but this season, it seems like their second best or most reliable player is Thaddeus Young. I, the way I see it, if you have a young up-and-coming team, you want your young studs to take you to the finish line you you want those guys to be the ones that that take you forward and it's nothing against Thaddeus Young but you you that you don't want that guy being riding shotgun with Zach Levine in the car so the way that I laid it out is that you, you're at this crossroads and to your left you have the the scenario that the Bulls are sort of in right now have this team as currently constructed find your way in the playoffs so with Zach Thaddeus being your your big piece the other guy's kind of being inconsistent, and you get to the playoffs. The road on your right is a scenario where you end up trading Thaddeus Young. Maybe you even trade Laurie Markkinen at the deadline, recoup some assets. You're recouping assets from Thaddeus Young, and you might get a solid lottery pick in what could be a deep draft. Let me ask you, Gary. I'm sort of on the fence with this. Would you rather see the Bulls make the playoffs as they're constructed now or go down that other path and miss the playoffs but possibly have a better long-term outlook and more flexibility? There, There is a, uh, a loose definition, I think, of playoffs this year. I mean, do you mean like the play-in tournament? Do you mean getting into one of the, the series? That's a good point to bring up too. So let's say in this scenario, we'll go with the scenario that they get the 10th seed, they make the play, and they lose. If they don't make the playoffs, because um, I figure if you if you lose that play in and you just barely made it in by a fingernail, a lot of people might say, OK, well, they weren't they weren't meant to get in anyway, um, as opposed to being like a ninth where you're out by like a half game and, you know, you're really competing like we'll say it's like a distant tenth. They miss the playoffs and they, they get, you know, walloped in the play in scenario. We'll go with that. Yeah. So I. I think it'll be good for any of these, you know, any of the young guys that we plan on keeping. I, I think it'll be good for them, even if it's, you know, cheap off-brand playoff experience if they only get into the play-on game. I, I personally, I want to, I want to do the best that we can. I want to. There's some tweaks that I think we we could and we should make, but I want to, I want to, I want to at least sniff the playoffs a little bit. Um, because because getting some, some getting like guys like meaningful in-game experience like that's not just in the middle of a dog shit season where you're going to win 
25 games um, or, you know, the end of a season where you're, you know, you're going to shut down Zach Levine because he's had some lingering ankle issue, you know, whatever. Like we've, we've had too much of that over the last couple of years um, that I, I don't really think we've played any meaningful basketball. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, a game where it counts, where it, um, you know, you have situation where it's do or die, um, you know, lose and go home. Um, even if they do, even if they lose and go home, I think, I think getting them hungry, getting them that, like that, at that appetizer of, of success, um, mm. you know, would, would be really good for a guy like Zach Levine, who's never been in the playoffs. who's never had a remotely close to winning season, um, uh, for a guy like, you know, Kobe White, who who needs to be motivated in the in the future to be, you know, a good player, a great player, whatever he can be. Um, Pat Williams, you know, a guy that we're all, I think, really high on. Um, and, and Wendell, too, and, and Laurie Markkinen, um, you know, I, I know you mentioned um, he could be a potential trade piece down the line. But any of those guys, I, mm-hmm. I, I think getting them some meaningful basketball experience would be would be great for them. So I, personally, I'm at, I'm on the course of um, stay the course. And, and a lot of the, the, the I mean, Billy is, is going to be a reason they get there if they do. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's been, a, I mean, none of these guys have had a real, and like, I, I don't want to like, I, I always feel bad knocking Hoiberg, but like they, they haven't had like a real NBA coach. Um, I mean, none of these guys have, I mean, except for, you know, maybe Zach in his first year or whatever that might've been. Um, but yeah, I mean, none of these guys outside of the veterans have had like meaningful basketball experience, a meaningful coach. Uh, but you know, the reason the reason they would get there if they did is is not only Billy, but it's it's some of these veterans. So like Thad Young, um, and and Garrett Temple, who I I'm gonna make a bold claim here and say he's actually the most important player. I mean, Thad Young is is a close second, but he's the most important player to success and development of this team. Mm. Um, I've I've been looking into a lot of a lot of combinations, a lot of lineups, and, and a lot of the time, um, it, the Bulls are a lot more successful. It, it, each individual player is a lot more successful when Garrett Temple is on the floor, and a yes. lot of the case, Thad Young, too. Yeah. Um, it, so Garrett Temple may not be averaging, you know, 10, you know, more than 10 points a game. I think he's averaging like nine points a game or something like that. Um, but having glue, like we've never had glue. We've always had interesting pieces. I, I read an article the other day. And it summed the Bulls up perfectly that the Bulls are a slew of and have been a slew of interesting pieces, but haven't been a team. So when you have guys like Thad Young, when you have guys like Garrett Temple, uh, and to to some degree, I guess Sato, even though you know I'm I'm on the fence about I, I've always kind of been on the fence about him, uh, except for right when we got him, I was really excited for him. But um, since just since I saw him play, but I, like Thad Young, like we. <laughs> Thad Young, when like last year, you you could be like, oh man, like he's really showing his age, he's really um, you know declining. But it, I, I think that then that's a testament that he's back to full form this year yeah. and playing some of the best basketball of his career, in my opinion, um, is is a testament to to Billy Donovan um, yes. showing that or 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 a <laughs> or a huge knock on Jim Boylan. Well. I- I think I think it's a combination, probably. Right, like you know the the thing, and I want to bring this up because you you brought this up with Garrett Temple. One thing about him, it's the defense 
that you see every night. Yes. And I think him and him and Thad Young, that defensive combination, I think like him, Thad, Otto, you have like defensive anchors there that really make it difficult. And on the defensive ratings right. with that bench or with that combination is insane. With Thad Young and Garrett Temple, I mean, having veterans buy into your coach is just as big as having the young guys buy in because I think it's a ripple effect, right? So like Thad Young buying into this this role after dealing with uh, kind of a joke of a head coach and Jim Boylan, you're seeing that it caused this ripple effect, I think, with the other guys. Like Zach Levine, to me, is, is clearly bought in. I Go back to that game against uh, Dallas, the, the game where I think Zach had like 30 at the half. And after that game, Billy Donovan made this statement that, yeah, it's great that Zach's aggressive, but, you know, on nights where he, he's not shooting, we also need him to be aggressive, you know, as a facilitator on the defensive end. Next game, they go out to Portland, and it was that dramatic come-from-behind win on the road, and Zach Levine had, like, I think double-digit assists. He had key defensive stops at the end of the game. It was like he, he heard exactly what Billy Donovan was telling him and then went out and did it. And I think that's always like a, a big proof that things are working. Now, I do want to throw something, though, just real quick your way. And I, I'm kind of with you on staying the course a little bit. But I feel like the Bulls can kind of have their cake and he, eat it, too, because of that Donovan effect. I think if they did want to trade Thaddeus Young, I still think this team could compete. Like, I think if they traded Thad and even Laurie to an extent, I think this team still could compete and kind of be like that Phoenix Suns type team from last year. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I want to get into to Laurie a little bit too with that situation. The Laurie situation is really interesting because like with Thad Young, the recouping of assets there is mainly because if you go into next year, you go into this summer, you can, you can do the early termination with him, right? You buy him out for real cheap. But... You know, you could get something for him right now. Like you could, he's probably at. He's what probably what at, would that be? I mean, do you have any so, examples of what that could be? Because, I mean, we look at let's look at the the Miritich trade from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And what we we took on Omer Sheik and got essentially Hutch. Like. Right. Well, and I, I don't want to run into that situation. Like late first, I, I mean, any draft pick is, is a big question mark. Um, and draft assets are nice to have, but as, as of right now, I mean, we have all of our draft assets, and I'm not really looking to. I mean, it, it's like last year, the year before, like we we have continuously almost gotten younger. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing in two rookies each year essentially, and you know, letting Chris Dunn go and um, you know, Thad gets a year older and Sato gets a year old. I mean, but you're still like essentially getting younger by bringing in a 19 and a 20 year old. You know what sure. I mean? Like, so uh, I, I don't want to keep getting younger, but I mean, if, if there's anything you have in your mind, um, yes. so I, I, I'd say no to draft compensation for Thad. Um, and, and I know people would shit on me for that idea, but I would say no to that. Um, but I mean, if you have any like like a, a young promising player, I mean, sure. So this is this is my thought here. And I'm down for two forms of compensation there. Like I would be cool with like a young player with possible high upside, but maybe still finding his way. And you, you hope bringing him into this setup with Billy Donovan, you might get more out of him. I'd be down for that. Sure. But here, here's my, my counter to you. I would be open to 
late compensation with this group, with this front office, and not necessarily for picking a player and developing him, although if you look at the Arturis Karnaschovas track record, there is something there for late picks. I mean, yeah, and I don't want to knock it too much. Right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, sick of, you know, right when we're about to take a step forward, we're like, all right, let's, let's get younger, let's get younger. Um, this group of guys that we have are still so young. True. You know what I mean? True. And I think though the other thing that I would potentially pursue is if I'm glomming up draft capital, I'm trying to put the Bulls in a position to strike at a big move strike to trade up in the draft depending on where you you land you know so like if you're a lottery team but you're somewhere like eight or nine and you could package picks to move up that might be a scenario i'd look at or is there somebody that's going to be bitching to get out of their current situation it always happens you might be in that position you know kind of kind of similar again go back to the phoenix scenario landing the veteran like chris paul and I'm not saying Chris Paul would be that player, but let's say there's that point guard that you're like, man, this is a good fit with Zach Levine and with this young core. Maybe that's the move you make using that draft capital. So it's more like giving yourself assets and flexibility. And I just sounded like Gar Foreman when I said that because we used to always hear well, that. Here's here's what's what's interesting. I mean, so we're – I mean, I, I think by no means there's there, – I don't think there's really any reason – you know, say say we you know we keep that young through the season. I don't think there's any reason to get out of his contract next year because I believe you're only. I mean, he's due for 14 million next year. I believe if you get out of that contract, you you're still taking a 10 million dollar cap hit. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're keeping him for four million, um, where we're going to have, I believe, around what is it, 20 million in space next year, depending on what happens with the cap. Yeah, close to it, where, you know, if you really want to trade Thad Young, that might be where he's interesting to to trade, you know, in the offseason, um, where, where I think a lot of the more impactful trades happen um, as far as like star players, um, you know, they either happen really early in the season, like we see with James Harden, or they happen in the offseason. They don't tend to happen at the trade deadline. All they they do sometimes, but, you know, you see with like the Cousins won a couple of years ago. Um, but really that, I mean, in recent history, that's probably the biggest one that has happened. Um, so there's not a lot that you can do. I, I don't think this season, as far as a star player, um, you know, we're creeping up on the deadline, what, a month, month and a half mm-hmm. um, before the deadline. So I think Thad Young, you know, can turn 20 million into 34 million dollars in cap space next year or Sadoransky, you know, mm-hmm. 20 to 20 to 30. Um so, you know, if you're really looking to, to trade for that star player, um, then we have we have the salary to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our own draft capital. We do have some of those younger assets. You know, if we still have Laurie Markin in, that's, you know, it could be a sign and trade or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, yeah. There, there's, a, yeah, a decent amount of things we can do with our, with our space next year, even though the I, – I, I mean, that's another – reason why like i you know i have to get away from from some of the social media basketball talk is because for three years now we've been talking about the 2021 free agency class and that has gone to nothing essentially you know what i mean like i mean you you remember all the hype the 2021 you know that or 2021 you know it's always the 2021 plan well gary i spent so many podcast episodes talking about 2021 like i no, i'm not even shitting you 
right before the NBA Finals, I'm talking in a podcast episode about how Jimmy Butler is single-handedly helping the Bulls by knocking Giannis out of the playoffs and creating doubt in his head to go into that free agency class. And right when free agency started this past summer, that all went away. All these guys re-upped with their teams. So really, the only big fish now is Kawhi Leonard if he decides to hit free agency. And that's a question mark, too. I mean, that could turn into nothing as well. And the Clippers are doing well where they have, you know, potentially a, a shot at the final. I think they got a little bit better this season. And they're playing better as a unit, you know, after after a year. Um, and, I mean, luckily, I mean, that's – yeah, I, I don't know. So – I'm happy with some of the, you know, I, I know a lot of people have their opinions on Kobe White, but I'm happy with Kobe White and um, and Patrick Williams. I, I'm happy with our youngest two first round draft picks, um, as well as Wendell too. Um, where I'm kind of on the fence right now, and and you know, so maybe it's you know. You like the shiny new thing more than the, you know, and the you're, you know, you you don't want to play with the the old toy anymore. But I'm I'm kind of on team trade Laurie, um, whether that's sign and trade in the offseason or 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 now. So like I mean, you look at like Wendell and Laurie, they've been consistently in and out of the lineups with injuries. But when you look at Wendell's, uh, you know, his was a freak accident with his finger, um, a you know a, a deep bruise that he was able to beat his diagnosis on. Um, I don't think really like when you look at injury prone though, Laurie marketing is really injury. I, I think he's probably our most injury prone person. And we have a flying Zach Levine with ACL problems, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I think Laurie marketing, um, and I'm not saying he can't have a long and healthy career, but I mean, he's, he's a seven footer with back issues. And I mean, that's not a recipe for long-term, um, no. you know, longevity, um, but he, I mean, he's also can be a really solid player and I, I think he's having a good, a good season individually. Um, and, and I'll get into, get into what I mean by that. Um, he's having a good season individually where, I mean, he really could help a, you know, a team, a contender. I mean, even if he's going to stand in a corner and shoot threes, which I, I don't think is what he should be doing. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he maybe should be shipped elsewhere. Um, and I, I would do Laurie for Lonzo. Yeah, I'm, that, I, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to bring that up, but I would do that trade. I would too. So I, I want to give you just my thoughts on this real quick. And then I, I kind of want to dive into what you were saying there about, you know, Laurie having a good individual season from certain maybe statistical standpoint but one thing about Laurie that does frustrate me it's not just the injuries the the injuries concern me it's the inconsistencies and you go from nights where he's scoring 30 to a night where he follows it up with like eight points nine points I mean what is he he's like Tom Gugliotta right he's he's got a mentality thing that I don't think he can kick and, and maybe he does need to find himself with a really good team where he can fit into a role kind of like a Brooke Lopez where, you know, he was on some shitty Nets teams, but scoring 20, you know, four, 25 points a game with 12, you know, 12 to 13 rebounds and two blah. Like he was having some monstrous seasons on some bad teams. And then now he's fi- found himself in Milwaukee and a, I, I will dig all of Ron, whatever the frick his name is on Twitter. I, I, I can't stand that oh, man, the, but the scout. yeah, 
I can't stand that man. But but he said like well he he worded it wrong where he was like Laurie will never be better than Brooke Lopez or something like that. But you know I find that take to be incorrect. But I think he should follow the Brooke Lopez lead where he can find himself as a you know as a center somewhere. Um, He needs to toughen up. That's for sure. If he wants to play center, and I think he should, you know, be a side. I, I think he should be a center. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he he has a lot of toughening up to do. And I mean, even at the power forward position, though, I mean, defensively is where he needs the most work. So if he goes to a good defensive team, which the Bulls are not, we're the opposite of that. I think if he finds himself, I'm all about stability. Um, finding yourself in a stable environment. And that's why I think Zach Levine is playing so well with Garrett Temple, with Thad Young, some of these veterans, because they provide a a stable environment Um, where the bulls are the worst. So I I, I saw uh, some statistics the other day, and this is why I dove into some, some, I I dove into a deep dive into lineups, um, lineup combinations of the bulls. So somebody goes, Oh my God, Look how bad Zach Levine. It was one of those bigger name Twitter guys. Um, I, I saw it on the Bleacher Report app. Uh, Jason Pat or something like that tweeted about like, look how bad Zach and Kobe are together. Um, so I, I wanted to take a deep dive into that and see why that is and, and what scenarios they are bad together. And we're looking purely at net rating to to determine, um, you know, how many points you score and points you give up per, you know, 100% possessions or whatever that is. So they do. I mean, they have like a, you know, minus eight or something like that, minus eight net rating together um, per per 100 possessions, which which is not good. Um, but Zach, Kobe, and Laurie together are a minus 21. Um, so you take, so I, I wanted to be like, okay, let's now take, let's put Laurie out. So I, I was messing with some lineup stuff. Let's let's put Laurie out. Zach and Kobe together are now, when when Laurie's off the floor, are now a net positive. Really? Yes. And huh. Zach and Laurie without Kobe on the floor are a net positive. Kobe and Laurie together without Zach on the floor, net positive. Very interesting. Um, and and the reason why I think this is is because there there are no situations where those three on the floor in, in the games they play together this season, which I understand there's there's some limited minutes there because Laurie was out with COVID protocol and now he's been out with, you know, his, actually, I forget what it is this time. It's getting to that point where he's had so many where I don't, I don't even remember what, what's wrong with his shoulder. Um, and, but but in, in the minutes they play together, which which have been significant because they have played when when they play, they have played together for the most part. They are on the floor together, those three, um, for most of the games. We've been really bad. Um, so when you take one of them, one of those away, they actually turn into a net positive because what you're doing is, um, and most of it is taking Laurie away. I understand. So Zach was a little bit better. Zach was Zach and Laurie together were the best out of those three with Kobe on the bench. Uh, and then Kobe and Kobe and Laurie were pretty good together, and Kobe and Zach with Laurie on the bench were were okay together. Um, net positive. It wasn't significant, but it was still a net positive in the most minutes of basically any two without Laurie on the floor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they play Zach and Kobe have played a significant amount of minutes together with, um, without Laurie and they've been, they've been a net positive. Why that is, I think is because they're playing with, so we have Pat Williams and he's pretty much started every game except for one, maybe, um, Pat Williams, good, good defender. I mean, he's not great yet. Um, but, but he has very high upside. I I'd say maybe just below a Jonathan Isaac type. I, I think he'll get into shot blocking and you know, all that. Um, then you have Wendell, who's again, he's been out for a, a decent amount of time as of late. He's a good defender. We know that we know he's been the defensive anchor over the last couple of years, him and Chris Dunn. Um, and then the other, I mean, the, basically when Laurie's out though, you're replacing Laurie with Garrett Temple. And, and that's where you, you would think it's that young, but a lot of the times when Laurie's out, Garrett Temple is actually the one starting. Um, not that young Garrett Temple is out there with the first unit. They go Zach, Kobe, Garrett, Patrick, and then whatever center they have out there, whether it's Gafford or, um, or Wendell. So, you know, look in looking at that, um, it, it actually brings me hope for the Zach and Kobe backcourt. Um, and, and each of them have, I think, both Zach and Kobe in their own right are good playmakers together and mm-hmm. because they, they almost have opposite skill sets. Zach has great, he has great vision. I don't care what you, what people say about Zach and his tunnel vision or, you know, whatever that might be. Zach has great vision where he screws up and, and commits a lot of his turnovers are really good looks so it'll be somebody cutting the basket, and he just misses wide left, too hard, at their knees. He's not a very accurate passer, despite being a super accurate, you know, shooter. Um, mm. Kobe, on the other hand, maybe doesn't have the best vision, but he's actually a very accurate passer. So when he does see somebody in the corner, or he's driving and, and it's a kick. I mean, he could be completely horizontal in the air on a, you know, a, a kamikaze to the basket and still throw a beautiful pass. Um, wa- you know, watch that in the next couple of games. Um, Kobe is a very accurate passer. Zach is a very Zach has very good vision, in my opinion. Um, so now you've got a backcourt that's averaging over 10 assists a game. They're averaging, I think, 11 assists together. Um, so- whereas you would you would see, you know, maybe. A team with a really good point. You know, a lot of people say we need a good point guard. Um, sure. But I, I think this team with Zach and, Co- Zach and Kobe playing most of the minutes, you have a, the seventh best offense in the league despite turnover issues. You know, you clean up some of those turnover issues. We're probably a top three offense. Um, and, and those two are leading it. Um, mm. along, but- along, along with that controlled – where I wanted to get to is this controlled environment – when you're playing Zach and Kobe, very bad defenders, in my opinion. They they kind of have opposite skill sets on defense, too, where where Kobe is, is decent off ball, but he's very bad on ball. And Zach is pretty decent. He's gotten better on ball, uh, but still looks super lost off ball. Um, oh, yeah. So, so and then and you know despite that being good I think for playmaking you know when they when they're kind of outweighing each other's you know coming up with positive plays despite their deficiencies as a backcourt on defense they're terrible so when you've got I think two really bad defenders 
And I would also say Laurie Markkinen is a very bad defender. And that's when somebody takes him to the post and bullies the shit out of him. Um, and I think he's, I think in the, in that light, he's, he's okay, I guess on the perimeter, but he once I mean, once they're in that paint, he's very, very bad. So mm-hmm. you got three, you got three bad defenders now on the court. And despite Patrick Williams and despite being Wendell, Patrick Williams is a rookie and Wendell Carter is, um, you can't do everything. You know what I mean? So when you've got two solid defenders and three really bad defenders, well, here, let me let me just real quick. I, I want to get to this point, though. If if you're doing the trade, brought up the whole idea of, of trading potentially Laurie if you do the, the Lonzo ball flip. So if that happens, you're removing Laurie from the lineup, and it's the lineup combination then. So are you, you going Pat Williams at the four, and then are you moving Kobe to the bench? Which you got with this. So, I mean— I, I really want Patrick Williams to be the four of the future. I think he's got a really good skill set to guard either the three or the four, whoever's better. Um, and I think Lonzo Ball, I, th- I think he's tall. He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, depending on who you ask. Um, one of the better perimeter defenders in the league, he can guard whoever's the best. You know, Patrick Williams guards the best forward, and he guards the best whoever the best one through three is on the other team, you have Lonzo ball guard there. You have, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's their shooting guard or their, you know, small forward Lonzo ball can, I I think can handle it. Um, Then you have Zach, you put him on, you know, maybe the point guard or whoever's handling the ball the most, because he's going to be on ball more and that's he's less time off ball. Kobe, I think is kind of the odd man out as far as the defense goes, but I think having three plus, you know, you know, depending on what stat you look like, I would say, I would say Lonzo Ball is a plus defender. I would say Patrick Williams is definitely going to be a plus defender, and I think Wendell Carter is a plus defender. Same thing, kind of the same thing. Almost think the same thing when you're looking at a lineup of, um, and and we we have you know, we we've tried many different lineups, um, five you know five man lineups, um, but the best five man lineup is actually Temple. Zach, Kobe, uh, Patrick, and uh, Thad Young. Mm-hmm. And then the next best one is Temple, Zach, Wendell, Kobe, Pat. So basically, the combination of Zach, Wendell, Kobe, and Pat, along with a center, whether that be Thad Young playing small ball center or Wendell Carter, um, I, I would say that those are the the some of the best lineups that we've had. Um, so I think putting Patrick Williams at the four is, is a good idea. Um, and I think the same principles, if you were to trade, I mean, Garrett Temple's 35 years old. He's not, you know, long-term, you know, long-term fit for, you know, starter. I would say right now, I, I, I love that starting group um, where, you know, overall it's a net positive and you got three good defenders instead of two, where Wendell can be a better defender because he doesn't have to, you know, pick up people's slack. Same with Pat Williams. Then you've got three out there. You've, you've kind of got a good balance. And then you have two guys that can score. When Laurie Markkinen doesn't play, Kobe White has actually been averaging 17 and 6, mm-hmm. opposed to his 15. So I, I think with Laurie, he's averaging like 13 or 14 points a game. Very bad shooting. Um, be, because he has to act more as the, the the playmaker instead of doing his tandem thing with Zach, where you know they can kind of go off, they can play off of each other, they can um, distribute the ball together. 
Um, whereas, you know, when, when I think when Laurie's out there, you, you've got that third starter who's ahead of you in the pecking order. I think Kobe kind of gets lost when he has to like really play true point guard. Mm-hmm. And in, in order for that backcourt to work, which I absolutely think it can, and I think adding Lonzo Ball to the mix and, and almost doing that, that you know, I, I, I think Zach and Kobe would probably average four assists instead of five assists a game. And, you know, Lonzo would be in there too. Um, but I, I think overall, like playmaking, like Lonzo for me is, is more about the defense mm-hmm. and the glue than it is um, – than it is uh, about the playmaking. So I'm fine well, with the playmaking as it is. And I, I think so. Th- this is another question. If when you're adding Lonzo Ball, you're you're getting yourself into a similar scenario, kind of with Laurie, where you have to make a decision after this year. And one of the reasons I'm okay with it, I'd rather evaluate somebody that might be a better fit in terms of the roster composition I have. Like I'd rather take the second half of the season, see if I can get better with this different piece and if he's good then i i look to lock him up or match any offer that comes my way and if not i can always just let him walk right and, and that's that's the thing when, when you got yeah i i think i think laurie zach and kobe struggled together being three scorers um and i know teams do the three scorers act um yeah. but but yeah i i think it it allows Kobe to be better because Laurie Markkinen isn't like Kobe's really good catch and shooter. He's, he's not great taking somebody. I mean, he's, I mean, he has some nice step backs and whatever. He's not good um, at, at creating, I, I, except for, you know, some of his mid rating, he's not great at creating for, for himself, but he thrives when there's somebody to create for him, um, you know, to an extent. And Laurie Markkinen is not going to do that. Laurie Markkinen, I think has our, you know, the, worst assist present on the team um so to to laurie's credit it's not just his fault it's um it's being out there with zach and kobe i think that's the the thing is having those three out there but i would rather invest in kobe white and laurie markin at this point um mm-hmm. because i mean we we've seen laurie and i and i know there's the laurie lovers out there and i have been one of them and i still hope for his success um but i i think I think fostering Kobe White might be more important at this point, you know, especially being two, three years younger. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think fostering him as a scorer is, is going to be better long term because I, th- I think what a team needs is is two scorers um, for sure. I mean, three, four can fit, but having two scorers out there um, that are gen- dynamic and, and, and Pat can get there, too. But but having two scorers, I, I think that's essential. Yeah. Um, I don't think Zach can do it by himself, which he has had to do in years past when Laurie's out, when Laurie's bad last year, when he was, you know, like you said, you know, he floats around and maybe scores eight points after a 25 point performance. Um, you, you hit that on the head. Uh, but I, I think Kobe White is going to get get. I mean, you need points to get to 115, 116 points a game that you're going to need to win a game. You know what I mean? Like, so you need those people that that are going to get you the buckets as well as a team effort. And I, and I think it's those two teams, like those two things balancing out. So like balancing these lineups, um, like having a guy like Garrett Temple, I think has been great because um, Garrett Temple with, I think anybody on the team, except for maybe Felicio and uh, a couple other people, but it was like Garrett Temple with, you know, as a duo, when you look at like different lineup combinations, when you have two guys out on the court together, 
Garrett Temple was a positive with like nine, nine or 10 guys on the team. And Thad Young was like one behind him. So having these veterans too, I think fosters this environment. So I, I don't want to just unload our veterans and say, let's get younger. That's kind of why I said that in the past. But when you got a guy like Laurie Markin in, who is a valuable trade trip for another guy who, you know, is a valuable trade trip, but, but maybe switch their roles. I know they have Steven Adams over there on the Pelicans and don't necessarily need another big. Um, but I think Laurie Markin in like, I mean, is Steven Adams going to be the best fit for the Pelicans long-term or is developing Laurie into a center when you got Zion who could bully people down low and, you know, maybe help with some of that. I, I know he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he can guard centers. Um, well, yeah. And, he, and he's I a think, big dude. Yeah. So I, I, I think the Pelicans might be a really good place for Laurie despite their log jam in the front court. Well, and that that's the perfect fit. If you are going to throw Laurie at the five, you have to have – Somebody else down low. Tough dude, yep. Exactly. And that's like Zion's a perfect fit. I, I want to wrap up the Laurie conversation with just two quick thoughts. One, you have to ask the question, you're in year four. At this point, if you don't know what he is, then I don't think he's ever going to be a surefire perennial all-star like people were hoping for. You know, pe- People were hoping for the next Dirk, Chris Stops. I think, look, if you get to year four and you still don't know what a guy is, I mean, at this point, he's probably Danilo Gallinari, and that's fine. That's that's a productive player and, and perfect for the number seven pick, but I do agree with what you said. I'd rather invest a little more in somebody like Kobe White and avoid the redundancy because I think what you laid out there, it is a form of redundancy. Yes, they have different skill sets, but in terms of like their deficiencies, that's where they, they're very similar these three zach Lari, kobe so eliminate some of that redundancy bring somebody else in one other thing with with Lari, it's the question of now that you know that he's an inconsistent player do you really want to pay him close to 20 million dollars a year because there's going to be a dumb gm on the open market with no free agents out there anymore that's going to say hmm i got a seven footer who can stretch the floor who's had bad coaching most of his career other than last year. And I think we could turn him around. So let's let's give him cash because he's still young. There's nobody else to pay out there if you have Exactly. Cash. And somebody's got to get paid. Remember, there's a reason Otto Porter's on this team right now getting paid close to $30 million, right? Because somebody had to get the bag in 2016 and it was Otto Porter. And now that's going to be Larry Markkinen probably this summer. Do you, do you end up, you know, like... Do you end up matching the Brooklyn Nets like the Wizards did? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's tough. And I like I said, like I or like you said, I, I'd rather see you know a guy like Lonzo on this team now than you know than I, I'd still probably do it if it was a trade in the off season for two restricted free agent sign and trade. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to see them together now. And, I, you know, I, I'd still probably take Lonzo next year. You know, like you said, like, I, I don't know what kind of money, what we're going to do with our money otherwise. Um, especially if you, you know, especially if you do, if you do keep a guy like that young, um, I don't really necessarily, especially if you get Lonzo Ball, Sato is absolute waste of space. I mean, he's not a waste of space, but he's an absolute waste of space on this team if you get a Lonzo Ball. Um, because it's a tall guard who can, you know, play the one through the three um, defensively. Um, 
I just I, I don't know if there's an absolute need. I mean, I don't know if there's an absolute need for it. So I think that's Sato's a guy I would trade. And I think some contenders like the Clippers could use a guy like that. Um, so I, I think that's my main trade piece as well as Laurie Markkinen. And I think a guy like Lonzo Ball would be a perfect fit for this team. Like I said, you need to fill the deficiencies and you need to actually create a team. And I think what Garrett Temple out there has shown is that having a plus having three plus defenders rather than two mm-hmm. is the best recipes for, for success. I want to wrap up our discussion here by getting to Zach Levine. You've alluded to his impact this year when you were going through the lineup combinations um, and, and through other portions of the conversation, but I think it's, it's evident. Zach Levine keeps getting better. And I was in that camp coming into this year where I was open to the idea of trading Zach. It wasn't like I was for the Bulls going out and actively pursuing trade packages that would result in, in Zach leaving, but I was open to the idea. Right, and, and admittedly, I was, and then I turned yeah. off my phone and stopped looking at the chatter, and then I'm like, we need to keep this dude. And I'm turning the corner in that direction. As we've seen him take another step up this year as he's bought into Billy Donovan's system, I'm all for keeping Zach. Now, again, if there's like a blowout offer, let's say somebody offers like the number one pick next year somebody offers you know a superstar caliber player and and zach has to be a part of that deal there's exceptions to the rule i am now in the mindset of adding to the roster and making zach a piece i think he's probably a number two he's a fringe all-star could be a perennial all-star if you know this is the year he finally gets there and i think he's earning it this year so i'm curious though like you you seem to agree but What's kind of helped you maybe turn the corner a little bit yourself? I, I think another year of getting significantly better um, because we've seen it in years past. He goes from 23 points a game to 25 points a game, now to 28 points, 28.2 points a game. Um, I mean, interesting stat right now. Um, you look at like a lot of, I think a lot of people, and I haven't heard this in years, but a lot of people said like, oh, you know, Zach Levine could have a growth like James Harden. Um, In their year six seasons, Zach is playing three less minutes than James Harden, or two and a half, and he's averaging only 0.8 points less than James Harden was in his year six. Similar amount of assists, better shooting splits than James Harden was, got to the line a lot less, but only, I think James Harden was getting the line like nine times a game. So he was getting like four more free throws than Zach was, but only averaging 0.8. So Zach is like scoring more purely. I mean, I think Zach's not being that all-star guy. He's getting screwed on a lot of calls. I think if you watch the game last night um, against the the Pacers, there was like five different times where I'm like, Zach should be at the line right now. He really should. Um, you know, a couple at the end of the game too. And I know once he did get to the line, he kind of botched it and sent us into overtime. Um, but I'll, I'll let it pass because, you know, we had a really good, good overtime, but, you know, looking at Zach Levine right now, um, when, when you ask, you know, what, what has made me turn the corner? It's, it's another year of development and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to badger this James Harden comparison. Cause he's, I, I don't think he's going to be James Harden, um, as far as, as far as that 
unstoppable. Like, like for a couple of years, James Harden was just absolutely, I mean, except for a couple of times in the playoffs, but um, that ultimately I think screwed his time in Houston. Um, but, and a lot of that I don't think was his fault, but um, looking at Zach Levine, he's 25. I don't think he's turned 26 yet. Um, he's 25 and he has, um, you know, next year, he'll be 26 in the off season when we're signing him to a new contract, um, or extending him soon. So, I mean, you, you add five years to that. He's 30, 31, 32. Mm -hmm. Um, you add five, I mean, you could have most of that contract potentially over 30 points a game. Wow. And And that, and, and that is where. I mean, he's trending that way. If he gets, if, even if he gets a little better next season, even if his growth slows a little bit, that's still probably over 30 points a game. I th- I think there's nothing wrong, and and I understand sometimes the argument of, do you want to give this person a super max if they're not a top 10 superstar? Here's the thing, though, it is in the NBA, it is fine because you can give multiple players max contracts. So like. If yeah. you if you think Zach Levine can be a piece on your team, a perennial playoff team or a title contending team, and you think he could be a key piece to that team, why not? You can always get the other max player to go along with him. So, like, that's my thought. Go ahead and pay him because, like you're saying, if, if he's that elite level of a scorer, despite having those defensive deficiencies we all talk about, I feel like it's worth that gamble to do something yeah. like that. And, and, and- Kobe White's only going to get better. Wendell's going to get better. Pat Williams is, I think, going to turn into a really good two-way player. Um, so, I mean, those those guys are, I think, are going to grow with him. They're going to get they're going to get older as his contract goes on too. You know, so I think you're giving him a better team in the future. And I think that's the issue with Zach Levine. Is Zach Levine with a lineup that includes? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to think of some of these ding-dongs he's played with over the last couple of years some of these awful lineups that he's played with um and you know i'm looking at like is is zach levine playing with um you know any of these guys jabari parker right jabari parker like is zach levine playing with those guys is he going to put up empty calories? Absolutely. But if you put, like I said, if you're masking his deficiencies, you know, maybe on defense with, like I said, three solid defenders, if you're crafting a team around him, can he be a number one guy? I, I think so. And I think he's kind of showing that this year that we can be successful with him at the helm. Um, so construct this roster a little bit better. I mean, if you like in, in games where Laurie Mark and it, like, I'm, I hate to badger this point, but in games like without Laurie Markkinen, we are playing, we we're six and six without Laurie Markkinen. We're, we're a 500 team without Laurie Markkinen with a schedule that amounts to um, opponents combined having a 52% winning percentage without them. We're, uh, and I, I have it written down here somewhere. Um, without them, we're four and seven, and those guys have a worse winning percentage, forty-eight percent winning. So both around five hundred, but four and seven to six and six, um, I, I think is or five, sorry, five and nine um, to six and six, I, I think is is kind of damning, you know. Like, and a lot of that is not Laurie's fault individually, but as 
as a team, the minutes that he's played with Kobe and Zach have killed this team. Yeah. And I, I think without those three playing together, um, I, I think we would be 500 to above 500 with one of the youngest still starting lineups in the league. Mm-hmm. So do with that as you will. But I, I think I think giving Zach a better team is is going to equate to potentially, you know, climbing up to, you know, a four, you know, short term, five, ter- you know, four or five seed long term, yeah, potentially I- a really good team. I mean, that's that's a five year contract that we're talking about. And I think I think now the league's starting to take attention to of Zach. So you got other players around the league that notice that he can play and that he is starting to to enter the conversation of being an all-star. You also have, though, the fact that there is a lot of excitement with, I think, some other members of the young core and Billy Donovan. And all of those factors could help this team improve. One thing about Zach, and I want to make one last point about the whole idea of the max contract, too, that, that I didn't add earlier. You give those kind of contracts to people, I think, that have an elite ability. And when you have a guy that can create a shot in an elite way, whether it's at the basket, you know, like that six step back three that he had the other night, like those are elite level skills. Those are the guys that to me earn those kind of contracts. And to me, I'd be okay giving Zach Levine that max, knowing that I'm going to add more to this roster going forward. Um, sure, he's, sure, he's doing that, and he's not shooting 43% in exactly. 100 times a game. He's doing it and shooting over 50% from the field and 42 43% from yeah. three. He's, well, has, he has incredible shooting splits right now. Um, would, um, I, I would say he's not a top 10 player in the league, but I think he's a top 10 offensive player in the league right now. Absolutely. And did you see that there's a stat that you know he he's leading the NBA in fourth quarter points? As of right now, he's got 208 points. He's doing that, I think, playing less minutes than some of the guys on that list with him. Like, he's in the Giannis-LeBron company, and those guys are playing more minutes than he is. He's a chew on that. Like, that's that's pretty impressive. And I don't think that's that's empty calorie by any means. Now, part of that could be that the, the fact that he's the only person offensively keeping them in games, but, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. And the fact that he is keeping them in these games a lot this year. I, I think that says something about him too. And like I said, they're going to get, they're going to get better. They're going to get, we're going to get better as we're not 21 anymore. You know, like some of these guys who are super young and, and have some sort of promise. So I, I think those guys can grow around them. Um, and I, I think those guys could end up being, you know, trade chips for a better player or, or stay the course and, yeah, I mean, you do grow, but I, th- I think you need when, when you're that young, I think you need veterans. Um, and I think that's been one of the most important points to why we are playing better basketball now is, is we actually have like the last several years. We did not have any veterans. And I think the only team in recent history that didn't is Golden State that ended up succeeding and they, they turned it into something great. But I don't think you get better as a young team traditionally by staying young so i i think you need stability you need experience you need leadership um you need i think all those things matter and i think they're important yeah no and i appreciate you stopping by today and and really doing the deep dive into the lineup combinations because i think that kind of perked my ears up especially when when it gets into that conversation about larry and, and what to do with this roster going forward so small ball center 
<laughs> you know, um, our, our best, our current best front court together is actually Pat and Thad, which is, which is kind of funny because they're smaller, but they've played a significant amount of minutes together as, as the four and the five. So without Wendell, without Gafford, without those guys, they've played a significant amount of minutes together and they're our best front court. So, um, it, it's just interesting to see like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we have a death lineup just while you, while you mentioned the lineup that I wanted to mention. Um, we have a death lineup that, um, where is it? Thad, Zach, Kobe, and Pat. They they haven't played a lot of minutes together, but they're a plus 42 together. Mm. They've played like 30 minutes together. So they, you know, they played almost the whole game together, three quarters, whatever. Um, Temple, Thad, Zach, Kobe, Pat. That is our best five-man lineup. Before I let you go, Gary, are you thinking about getting back into the, the podcasting game at some point, especially with the team getting a little bit better? I hope so. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't want to man it by myself, um, really. And, and you know, put there, it's fine. Like, I, I could talk, for, I mean, I, I could do this for hours, but... Um, you know, it's all the other stuff that goes into it that, you know, I, I just wasn't finding completely, I wasn't finding a, a total return on, on all that, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would love to get back into it someday. Um, uh, for, for sure. Awesome. Gary, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.